Um, let me ask you, um, when, uh, when you look at your calendar, okay, uh, well, first of all, before I get to that question, let's kind of see who's in the audience here. How many of you prefer like a calendar, a paper calendar where you can see the whole month? Okay, great. All right. How many of you prefer your phones, your digital calendar? Okay, you guys are sick. Um, <laughs> How do you do that, by the way? I mean, because I, I want to see it like all on paper, you know, out in front of me the whole month uh, so I can see it, you know. And, uh, but you guys on digital, you, all you see on your phone is a dot. That doesn't tell me where I need to be. That just tells me I have something. And half the time, I can't pull that up to see what it is. All right. So, but anyway, that's besides the point. That's not the real question. I just wanted to see, you know, who's here. Um, but when you do look at your calendar, whether it be digitally or, you know, on paper, uh, like sane folks, um, they, and I'll bet you, I'll be one of the bet. People who put a look at their calendar on paper, we're, we're always on time to things. I would just say that. You digital people, you're like, oh, the alarm, you know, finally let me know, you know. Anyway, how many of you, when you look at your calendar, do you get a sense of rest? Or when we look at our calendars, do we, do we you know, have this sense of restlessness in our souls? Because it's so easy, and you know this, when it comes to our calendars, it's so easy to fill our calendars up with things you know, from work or, or school events or ball games or kids' events or birthday parties. I mean, talk about the biggest weekend killer is a kid's birthday party, Right? I mean, let's just be truthful about this. I mean, if we could celebrate your birthday like on a Thursday, that would be better uh, for me anyway. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I mean, or, or, you know, errands or activities or, uh, you know, appointments, they fill our calendar. And then any, any hope of, of peace and rest is gone. Okay, and then an unexpected storm of life rolls into that restlessness uh, and then anxiety and worry, you know, wreak havoc on our lives. And uh, any hope of, of, of peace or, or rest is just vanished before our eyes. And so this morning, we're going to talk about this rest, this, this soulful Sabbath rest. Hebrews chapter 4, uh, the writer says this, now there remains a rest for the people of God. Now there remains a rest for the people of God. And, and, and this rest goes way beyond relaxation techniques or, or uh, deep breathing. But um, this rest that we're talking about this morning, it's a soulful rest. And, and that's where we have to start. Now, you know, a lot of times we may try to, you know, book a weekend away or go on a trip or clear our schedules and, and try to have rest uh, for our minds or our bodies. But if we don't, if we don't embrace this soulful rest that the gospel offers us, if we don't embrace this soulful rest, that this Sabbath rest that Jesus has for us, there'll be this undercurrent of fear, anxiety, and worry, and measuring up, and all this stuff going on in our heads or in our hearts, and it won't be a time of rest. So, so that's where we're going this morning. And our passage this morning uh, is about this conflict over the Sabbath day. And the Sabbath day, or known as Shabbat uh, for the Jewish people, uh, was from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. Maybe one, one Sunday we'll talk about how to, how to have a Shabbat, how to have a rest. Um, it's not just laying on the couch all weekend. It's doing things that you enjoy, that are life-giving. It's enjoying the blessings of God. But, um, but the, uh, the Sabbath... 
Um, during this time period, you and your family would take a break from your normal routine and you would take a re- rest from work. And remember, and this was a big piece, this is in fact the only piece, the, the most important piece to, to Sabbath, it was to remember who God is and what he's done. You gather with family and friends, and you would remember who God is and, and what he's done in our lives and in our family. And for the, the people of God, they would tell their stories of, of how faithful God had been. And, and, and so in today's passage, what we're going to see is some Jewish, Jewish rulers, leaders, they get upset because Jesus heals this guy on the Sabbath. And then he tells this guy, hey, pick up your mat and walk, which was clearly a violation of the Sabbath. But the Sabbath day was supposed to be more than just a day of rest. It was to be a gateway into a soulful rest, a a, a peaceful rest in our souls, a deep peace with God. So the question is, are we experiencing that kind of rest in our lives? I'm not talking about physical rest. I'm not talking about the nap that's on the agenda for today. I'm talking about just this rhythm of life that we just have this deep, soulful rest peace with God. So two questions this morning, and, uh, and then we'll be out of here. Um, but the two questions are this, is what is Sabbath rest? What is it? And then maybe even more importantly, how do we get it? How do we get, how do we receive Sabbath rest in our lives? So uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, or uh, we'll put it up on the screen for you. You can pull it up on your phone. But John chapter 5 this morning Uh, As we talk about this deep, soulful rest that just breathes rest and peace into the rest of our lives. So what is Sabbath rest? Well, the Bible says um, that every human, human being, every person on the planet, and that means everybody in this room, is, uh, is under the law. That, that every person is under the law, the law being the law of God, and as a result, um, we have naturally, we experience this unrest, this restlessness in our soul. So what, what does it mean for us to be under the law? Well, what it means is we're accountable for this. We're accountable to obey this and obey, obey it perfectly. And the religious leaders in our story today, um, they get upset because Jesus is breaking the Sabbath. You see, you go way back to the Ten Commandments and the people of Israel God tells the people of Israel to take a Sabbath day, to to take one day out of the seven that you would rest from your work. Now, what the religious leaders did uh, is uh, they would put all these little regulations, all these little uh, laws around this big law to make sure they didn't disobey the big law. But they would surround it with all these religious regulations trying to protect the Sabbath. For instance... Uh, as we're going to see today, um, you couldn't carry your mat because um, even if you were healed, you know, if you picked up your mat, that would be considered work and a violation of the Sabbath. Um, if you walked with a cane, uh, you could not drag your cane in the dirt because that would be considered plowing and that would be considered work and a violation of the Sabbath. You could not seek medical attention 
on the Sabbath because one, you would have to walk more steps than the Sabbath allowed. That's what they did. They said, hey, you can only take so many steps. Anything outside of that is considered work. But you also were making somebody else work and treat your medical condition. And that would be a violation of the Sabbath. And so you had all these rules. And the reason why they had all these rules and regulations was because they were trying to rest and their performance of the law. So they said, hey, if we can keep all these little rules, if we can keep all these little regulations, we'll never be guilty of breaking the big law of taking a day to rest and to remember who God is. Now, now here's the deal. They're like us. Um, because if we focus on obeying the rules, we'll start to feel pretty good about ourselves. And the reason why is... Because we can always find somebody that we're better than, right? But we can always find somebody that we're better than. We say, you know what? I'm better than he is at keeping this rule. I'm better than she is at keeping this rule. I'm better than they are in keeping this rule. And so if we're going to trust in our performance to keep the law, to obey all the, uh, obey all the rules, we can start to feel pretty good about ourselves. But here's the, here's the problem. The problem is, if we start reading the, God's word, if we start reading the law, anyone who seeks to rest in their performance of the law will actually find out the more that we read the law, the more it shows us how guilty we are at breaking the law. Let me say that again. The more that we read God's law, the more it shows us how guilty we are of actually not living up to the law. Romans 3.20, the Apostle Paul says this. says, therefore, no one, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. In other words, nobody's going to be declared righteous without having any sin by, um, uh, through, 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 the, through the law of God. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. In other words, we're going to realize, the more we read it, the more we realize we're not living up to it. For instance, one of the laws is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. In other words, what that law is saying is that God wants hearts that are completely devoted to him, that are completely consumed with him. Now, if we were really to do, be honest, I'm terrible at that. I'm terrible at being completely devoted by God to God. Another law is to love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, you've read the law. Okay. So what that means is that we have just as we spend just as much time and energy and intensity as meeting our, our neighbor's need as we meet our own needs. None of us do that. We're all guilty of breaking that law. Then Jesus comes along and he says, hey, turn the other cheek. Somebody insults you, turn the other cheek. Jesus says we need to forgive and forgive and forgive. In fact, we need to forgive others the way God has forgiven us. Oh, I hate that law. I hate that command. Or he says we need, to, we need to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And the more I read that, the more I realize, oh, I don't do a good job at that. But that's what the Apostle Paul was talking about. The more we read the law, the more evident it is that we're not living up to it. And if we rest in our performance and create all these little rules for us, and we make up our own rules, right? I mean... 
Our, our rules may not be the same as the religious leaders, but we make up our own rules of, you know, that we, to make us feel pretty good about ourselves. You know, well, I'm not going to go to church every week, but I, I'll go twice a month because I know somebody who only comes once a month, and so now I feel better than them. That's the way it works, these, these laws that we come up with. But if we rest in our performance and create all these little rules and regulations to make us feel good about ourselves, when we stop and we try to be still, there's going to be this un- undercurrent of anxiety and worry and restlessness in our souls. Please hear this. God did not give us the law. Um, he did not give us the law to, to show us. Um, that he did not give us the law to save us. He gave us the law to show us that we need to be saved. He, he, he didn't give us the law to, and say, hey, do this and you'll be saved. He gave us the law to show us that we need a savior. We need somebody to come along and do this for us. And when we put our faith and our trust or confidence, whatever we want to call it, in Jesus, and we have this deep, soulful rest. And then when we do take time to slow down and we take a couple of days away or, or take a day off, then, then we really do have this, not only this physical rest or this mental rest or this emotional rest, but we have a soulful rest underneath it all. So how do we receive? How do we get this uh, Sabbath rest? Well, let's look at how Jesus gives it to the, to the paralyzed man. Okay, so Jesus addresses what the paralyzed man is trusting in in John chapter 5. He's, verse 1, he says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. And now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And one who was there had been an invalid. Uh, In other words, he couldn't walk for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and he learned that he had been there in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to be well? So so this paralyzed guy, he's... Um, with all these other sick people, they're, they're trusting in this, this pool of water, okay? And this pool of water, it was, uh, it was urban legend, okay? That anytime the water stirred or they were moved, and nobody knew why they did. Maybe it was a spring, maybe it was the wind, who knows? Um, but anytime the waters moved, there was this urban legend that that was an angel doing that. And anybody who got into the pool, the waters, while the angel was still there, they would be healed. And the problem was nobody was ever healed, okay? They, they thought, you know, they were all kind of fighting to get into the water, um, but then nobody would be healed from it. And they said, oh, well, I guess we didn't make it into the water in time, and the angel had already, you know, had already gone. But they kept putting their hope in this pool. They kept putting their, their confidence, their trust in this, in this, in this urban legend, and the man, he's, trying, he's been trying to get down in the water for years. And Jesus approaches him and notices something that's true of him that, that, that can be quite true of us at times. And that the, he noticed that this man was trusting in a false hope. He was trusting in a false savior. He was trusting in a false rest. And Jesus walks up to the guy and asks him a pretty obvious question. Do you want to be healed? 
And, and, and the guy says in verse 7, he says, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. And when the water is stirred, while I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. It seems more of a complaint than an answer. But this guy is saying, I have tried and I've tried and I've tried to do something about my condition. I've tried to get into the water. I've tried to get into the pool. But every time I, the water started, I try and somebody steps over me or on me or pushes me out of the way. And I can't do it. And I've been trying for 38 years. And this guy, he had given up hope. And basically, this guy is saying to Jesus, I've tried everything I know how to try, and nothing works. And Jesus says, that's all you need. That's the starting point, because that's kind of where faith starts. You don't know, we don't know uh, everything. We don't have all the knowledge, and there's a whole lot of uncertainty. But it's that simple confession of I can't. Verse 8, and then Jesus said to him, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and he walked. And the day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And the Jewish leaders, they were ticked off. I've got another clip of The Chosen I want us to watch. And, you know, I had a friend of mine say, hey, Mark, you can't keep counting on The Chosen to get across your point. And, um, and I said, you're right, because it's only two seasons and we're going to be in John a lot longer. So... Um, but they got seven seasons planned, so maybe they'll get another season in before we finish this series. Um, but it is a clip about this, and I think it just brings some context to what we're talking about here. And then I'll come back, and I'll finish this up. Y'all watch this clip. That's him. one who's been here the longest, but doesn't belong. The sad one. Why do I get the feeling this isn't just a meeting? Do we need to be on the lookout? No. Just stay with me and watch. Shalom. Me? Yes. Shalom. I have a question for you. For me. I don't have many answers, but I'm listening. Do you want to be healed? Who are you? We'll get to that later. But my question remains. Will you take me to the water? <laughs> Look, I'm having a really bad day. 
You've been having a bad day for a long time. So? Sir, I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. And so... Look at me. Look at me. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you, or who's not helping, or who's getting in your way. I'm asking about you. <laughs> I've tried. For a long time, I know. And you don't want false hope again, I understand. But this pool, it has nothing for you. It means nothing. And you know it. But you're still here. Why? I don't know. You don't need this pool. You only need me. So, do you want to be healed? So let's go. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. to walk, like he said. Don't forget your bed. Why does this matter? Because you're not coming back here. That life is over. Everything changes now. Yo! It's Shabbat. What are you doing? Torah forbids carrying a mat on Shabbat? Not Torah, the oral tradition. Yes! Transporting objects from one domain to another violates Shabbat. The man who healed me. Do you me. not realize what just happened here? Why are you trying to make this about Shabbat? He said to me, take up your bed and walk. Who did? Who told you that? He did. I don't know. He didn't tell me his name. No. Of course not. He performs a magic trick and tells you to commit a sin. A false prophet. This will be reported. Report whatever you want. 
Are you standing on two legs? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I need to go find my brother. You know, Jesus finds that guy later and he tells him, hey, stop sinning. In other words, and you, you thought your deepest need was to be able to walk and I took care of that, but your deepest need is to have peace, this Sabbath rest in your soul and you can't have it by trusting in your own performance. You got to trust in me. And so, so how do we get this Sabbath rest in our hearts? Well, Three things. Number one, we need, we need to acknowledge our own sin. That we need to acknowledge what, what are we putting our hope in? I mean, are we, are we trying to be good enough that God will get in on our deal? Are we trying to prove that to God that, that we're worthy uh, of him blessing us? What are we putting our hope in? What are we putting our hope in to make us feel good about ourselves or to impress other people? We've got to confess our sin. We've got to spend a little time to say, here's what I'm putting my hope in. And whatever is false, it's not going to give us that peace. That's what we all want. We all want this deep peace. I mean, yes, it'd be nice to have a weekend away or to clear our schedules. But that, that anxiety and that worry will still be rattling around in our heads and our hearts if we don't have this soulful peace. And it starts by acknowledging our sin, what we put our hope in. Secondly, we have to rest in the performance of Jesus. I mean, we think if we can just be good enough or moral enough or help enough people or attend church, then God would accept me. But that's our performance. That'll never get us anywhere. We need to rest in the performance of Jesus for us. And last, we, need to, we have to see that Christianity is all about Jesus. That he came and he lived out the law perfectly. He fulfilled every demand that the law makes on us. And when we put our faith and our trust in him, we get credit for everything he did. His perfect record is transferred to us. That he lived the life we can't live and died the death that we deserve. And when we embrace that, oh, we'll have this Sabbath rest in our souls. So let me ask you, do you have that rest? Have you embraced it? You know, some of us here, we we need rest from trying to prove ourselves. We're so busy and so tired of trying to prove that, that we're worthy. Trying to prove ourselves to... To, to our parents or to our teachers or to our boss or our co-workers or employees or, or trying to prove ourselves to ourselves. It's exhausting. We need to know that the only one we need approval from has already said that you are my beloved child. That you are freely and richly and deeply and completely and unconditionally loved by him and we need to rest in that some of us we need rest this morning from the guilt of our past that we that we carry around this guilt and we hear every Sunday that Jesus has forgiven us and we kind of get that in our head but we just can't seem to forgive ourselves 
That's like demanding that we pay for something twice because Jesus paid our sin debt in full. That would be like going to the grocery store, you know, scanning all of our groceries, looking at the total, paying the total and thinking, well, that's not good enough. And we unload it and we run it all through again and pay for it twice. Nobody does that. God does not demand two payments for one one debt and that debt's already been paid. And what we need to hear this morning is that Jesus on the cross paid your sin debt in full and you've been declared completely forgiven and completely washed clean with the blood of Christ. Some of us need rest from criticism. Everybody else may say that you're not good enough or strong enough experienced enough, pretty enough, smart enough, but God has already declared you through his word, you are the prize of his creation. You are the apple of his eye. Rest in that. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I, will give you rest.